Welcome to the Nourished and Nurturing Podcast, where I help empower families to thrive after having a baby. My goal is to educate on real food, physical health, and becoming our best selves. I'm Michelle Taggy. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner and have a master's in data analytics. I'm the co-author of the Real Food for Real Moms postpartum prep guide, and I am the creator of the Real Food for Real Babies online baby feeding course. Today, I'm talking to Anne-Marie Garland again, and we're talking about her experience finding out her baby was breech and everything they did to try to turn the baby, including an external version. So she talks about her experience with that. And I think it's really helpful for anybody whose baby might be breached and you're curious about the different options that are out there. Hi, Anne-Marie. Thank you so much for coming back on. You're welcome. I know we're kind of flipping babies. Yes, flipping babies. We're kind of going in order of uh, some of your pregnancy experiences. So um, this is one I was like fascinated with around the end of my first pregnancy, my baby was not breech, but it was one of those, you know, you, you have in each phase of pregnancy, there's something you have that you could potentially worry about. And towards the end of pregnancy, like that was the big thing, like checking if the head was down. But, um, so I, I was super interested in this topic and I know some friends who have debated what they would want to do when they were in this situation. Like, uh, I know the external version is, something that's um, not everyone's favorite. (laughs) Right. Yes. Having experienced it, I understand why that's not everyone's favorite. So let's talk about it. So my daughter at my first child, she was breech at like, when's the first time they know somebody's breech? Maybe like 24 weeks, I think is kind of when they start looking for that 26 weeks. Okay. And the thing is, I know that she was breech as early as 18 weeks when I first started feeling her kicking because the kicks that I felt and the locations that I felt them never changed. They were the same constant kicks in the same location my entire pregnancy. And they were literally like, it felt like she was kicking my butt like all the time. That's the only place I ever felt kicks. Hmm. And so that started at, at, around 18 weeks at 24 weeks, it was confirmed that she was breech and it never changed. So spoiler alert, she never flipped. I ended up having to have a cesarean, but um, to kind of go through the different things, techniques that I tried. First off, everyone says like, oh, they have plenty of time to flip. They're fine. But in my mind, and maybe this was a mindset thing, like Michelle, you and I have talked about how I'm not like all about manifestation, I do think that there is something to our thoughts and an energetic component to this world. That said, like, I, for whatever reason, especially now knowing her personality, I think that there were probably other things involved. But at the time, like, I, you know, I I did sort of feel intuitively that she was never going to flip around. But anyway, so we started with, despite everybody being like, they have plenty of time to flip. My, I, I had the feeling that she wasn't. So I got pretty aggressive right away. And the first thing I did was to, I looked up spinning babies techniques. And one of the techniques that they suggest is to um, get on an ironing board. 
So you like buy a big, you know, long ironing board, you prop it up like one end at the, like on your sofa, and then your head is at the ground, your feet are at the top of the, of the ironing board. So you're basically like an inversion, but like a very gradual one. So we started with that. I went out and bought an ironing board, did that as often as I could. And that would, it was really actually hard. I'm remembering this now. It was really hard to do inversions for me. For some reason, it would make my round ligament pain under my belly, like miserable, which I don't have that pain this pregnancy. It's just like interesting. I didn't even think about that until just now. So then when that wasn't working and I was probably around like 30 weeks, my midwives were suggesting like to get a little bit more aggressive. So we bought an inversion table that I was going almost upside down on. I mean, I was like, really, we were really trying to get her to flip around. And I would do that every single night for as long as I could. And again, like nothing happened. So then at 37 weeks, that was when we decided to do the external version. We knew we were going to do an external version the whole time, but that's when you were allowed to, because your baby could technically be born, which is one of the risk factors is that it can send you into labor. It did not send me into labor, thankfully, but um, here's a, like a personal note. The, the other thing is everybody was so positive about my baby flipping. They were, they would tell me like, I'm tall. I'm almost six, six feet tall. And they would say like, if you listen to my other podcast about HG, like my baby was kind of smaller because she was, I think probably because I wasn't eating enough. So they would all say like, oh, she has so much room in there. You're definitely, she's going to be able to flip. So they would say this the whole time, but then especially about the external version, they were like, you have plenty of amniotic fluid. Like she's going to flip. This is going to be great. Even the doctor that was doing it said this. And then, you know, I, I like remember so specifically like being in the, the room with the doctor who was trying to do the ex who was doing the external version and her just saying like, well, I guess she just wants to stay where she's at. It's like, I effing knew it. I knew she wanted to stay where she was. Like she doesn't ever move. Um, so then at that point I started to believe that it was like my anatomy, like something about my body is keeping my child in this position. And I did carry that into my second pregnancy, which we can talk about later, but yeah. In addition to all of this, I think at like t- around 28 weeks, I also started seeing a Webster technique chiropractor. And I think we started probably around like once, once a week, I would go and have an adjustment and then slowly would, I got up to three times a week having adjustments. And by the end I was trying everything I was trying. I think there's something called moxie, which is like some smoke yeah, combustion. Yeah. Yes. They put it next to your pinky toes. We tried that. We tried acupuncture. And then one of the last things that we tried was a, like, I think we did this at the very end, probably around like 38 weeks. And we, so the external version had already, you know, failed, I guess. I don't know if you call it a failure, but it didn't work. And so then we went to one final woman who was like an energy healer and a mindset 
coach maybe. And she walked us through the process of not just asking our child, like saying, Gigi, if, if it's right for you, go ahead and flip, like, please turn head down is, but to be more authoritative about it. So to tell your child what to do. And that was something that it's interesting because I was breached for a very small period of time during this pregnancy. And my friends would say that, like, just make sure you ask your child to flip around. And I was like, oh, I learned in my first one that you're supposed to tell them. <laughs> well, according to that one woman, it, it was interesting. I guess I'm just sharing this to say, like, we literally tried. We exhausted every opportunity. And by the end of it, I did wholeheartedly believe that my body held baby's breach. I ended up having to have a cesarean because she never and she never flipped on her own. And they didn't tell me that I had anything like a heart-shaped uterus, I guess, is what is commonly keeps babies in breech positions. Mm. They told me that I didn't have that. Her cord wasn't wrapped in any weird way. So honestly, I'm not sure what, why she was like that. But I do know now that my child is very snuggly. She's very cozy, like I'm sure everybody says that, but like she will grab every pillow in the house to make herself a nest and then just sit on it. Like that's her favorite thing to do. She's very snuggly. And I think she just like now knowing her personality, I think she just got in a comfortable position and stayed there. Like didn't want to move. It's a cute way to think about it. (laughs) Yeah. Like I think sometimes you forget about that. Like there's a real human in there. Right. And yeah, I think she just didn't want to, she didn't want to do it because I labored for 48 hours, hoping she would flip at the last minute. And she never, she never did. I think that's also something to keep in mind with breech births is it it could have just been my experience, but like I said, I, I labored for 48 hours before my water finally broke. And I wasn't really, it wasn't progressive labor, you know, it wasn't productive. Like I wasn't dilating very quickly. I think it's because she was in such an odd position that she wasn't helping my body, you know, my cervix open and all of that. Yeah. Uh, I just want to share for people, uh, Webster's technique is a chiropractic technique during pregnancy that can kind of, uh, adjust your pelvis and open it up for labor. But I do have a whole episode on that number 26, if you're curious more about that. Um, and the, the spinning babies, I was really into that in my first pregnancy. Uh, I didn't do it as much with my second and had a posterior baby, but I'm sure, (laughs) I'm sure part of that is just coincidence, but that's also, it's just kind of some exercises, like you said, to potentially put the baby in the best position for birth. Like, yeah, a lot of on hands and knees kind of creating that space in your middle section (laughs) to allow baby to turn. But so I think, I think it's interesting. I'd love to hear specifically about the external version because I've had, I've have had friends with breech babies where even their husbands were like, no, we're not doing that. Like I, Um, But you said all along, you guys knew that you wanted to do that. Like, I'm just curious how that went. And yeah, Yeah. I could talk about it. 
Yeah, of course. Uh, so I, we knew that we wanted to do it because I wanted to give myself every opportunity to have an unmedicated vaginal birth. And part of me now wonders if like, well, I won't, I mean, I won't get into that. Part of me wonders if like, I wasn't partially like relieved that I didn't have to go through unmedicated birth, like, and then have it fail and then feel like I failed. Right. Which is ironic because I think while I was able to come to terms the whole time that a cesarean was going to be a very likely possibility for me because she was breached the entire time. It wasn't like a last minute thing. I do think that it was probably, well, I I just think it was probably easier for me to accept that outcome because I had such a long time to mentally prepare for it. But anyway, uh, we knew that we wanted to try literally like every option. That's why we spent all the money on the Webster Cairo going three times a week for adjustments and the external version and all of these things. So my understanding anyway, and maybe there's things that make an external version much scarier than I'm aware of, but the risks of the external version from my memory were that it can put you into early labor. And that's why they wait until 37 weeks to do it so that your child is like has a much greater chance of not ending up in the NICU. But also it can be a risk because if the cord is wrapped around the child in a weird way, then then that can be harmful to them. But they, for me, what happened was I went to the hospital. It was a scheduled, I guess I'll say procedure, but it is all like on the outside. They gave me a medication to try to keep your placenta, I think, from contracting and also from to keep it more relaxed. And then the doctor comes in and like literally hands on your belly super aggressively, like tries to manipulate the child to like turn around. So that's what's going down. And it's pain. It's very painful. It made me cry. And I do feel like I have a high pain tolerance. So it is painful, not in a way, though, that I want you to be scared of doing it if you feel like it's the right decision for you. It's not so painful that like you couldn't handle it. And as soon as the doctor stops, like the pain pretty much stops. You'll be a little achy after, but it's it's not like something that's ongoing. It really didn't take very long. It was we were probably in there for like actually trying to turn the baby for probably maybe five minutes. And then they called it, but they monitor the baby's heart rate the whole time to make sure everything's good. And again, you're in a hospital setting if anything needs to happen. So for me, if if having a vaginal birth is important to you, I personally would recommend trying the external version. And supposedly, according to my doctors, if it is a subsequent birth, if you've already been pregnant once, it's not your first pregnancy then a external version is a lot has a greater chance of success because I think things your body's like more stretched out or like something I don't remember exactly what it was so that's something to be aware of as well like you'll have a greater chance of success succeeding and having the baby turn yeah so it, so for your experience after a few minutes he was kind of just like oh she's not turning Right. And my, so the clinic that I went to, it was actually the same as the one that I'm going to now, but at first the, with my first, it was much more like holistic minded. All of the care was given through midwives. 
um, you only saw the OB if you were a high risk pregnancy. They had a birthing center there that you didn't even have to go to the hospital, which I ended up not being able to utilize, but it was very wellness minded and they definitely encouraged the, the external version. So I know people might want to avoid like the medication that they have to give you or, and everything, but in my, in my case, the OB who is a huge proponent of vaginal births was st- and like unmedicated reducing intervention whenever possible. She, she was very much pro trying the external version. Well, yeah, I'm going to, um, kind of a to be continued notice here, but I think we'll get more into that when we talk about your cesarean birth, which is part three of our little series. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm interested to know how, like if any of that put pressure on you, things like that. So I'm definitely excited when, for when we talk next time. Um, and I, I appreciate you sharing all of this because I know, um, some people that have reached babies, they might not be aware of all these options. So even though it didn't work for your baby to turn, I think a lot of these are great options. And if it, resonates with you, all of these have shown at least anecdotal success from people in turning their baby. So I think they're all great things to try. The chiropractor specifically was the most cocky about his ability to be able to help me and his success rate. Like I, I believe again, this was four years ago now, so it could have been, I could be wrong, but I believe he told me his success rate of flipping babies was like 95% or something crazy like that. So this is, I, I, at this point believe that there was probably something like divine intervention. My baby was supposed to be born via cesarean for whatever reason. And that's why she was breached. And maybe I tell myself that to, because it makes it easier for me to accept the outcome that I had. But now that I'm pregnant, and this is, I don't know if if you've only listened to this episode and you haven't listened to my other episode, like I'm 38 and a half weeks pregnant now and the baby is head down. He turned head down around like, I don't know, 26 weeks or something. It's not like, I don't want you to think that if you're going through this now, that's always going to be that way. Because I definitely had that in my mind when I got pregnant the second time was like, oh, I'm probably going to have another breech baby. I just kind of accepted that for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So stay positive. It can be different. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, I will um, talk to you again soon when we talk more about the cesarean, which I'm really excited to get into. I, it was you that made me stop saying C-section. And I think you'll explain, <laughs> explain more about that. Yeah, of course. Oh, all right. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Before you go, if you loved this episode, it would mean so much if you could give a rating and a review on iTunes. You can find me on Instagram at Your Nourished Baby. And if you have any topics or questions you want me to cover on the podcast, email me at nourishedandnurturing at gmail.com.